This American Monster. A Monster of the Week actual play from This American Dice. Hey, so our goal is to just kind of debrief about the game. We did this for... Um, oh, we had to leave. We did this for the L5R game where we talked about kind of what we liked about the system and what we didn't like about the system since it was the first time that the majority, all of us really had played it significantly. And um, that was kind of a beta test system that somebody had created. This is a very much published and good to go system. Um, but it was the first time I think that all of us had played this particular game system and we played it for a while. All in all, I think I figured it out that it's going to be like 40 something episodes total. So it's, it's a, it's a lot of show. Monster of the week, more like yeah. monster of the year. Yeah, exactly. So this American monster. And we were um, the monsters mm -hmm. all along. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I wanted us to kind of reflect back on not only how the system worked, how it didn't work, but also what we liked on the about the story and that kind of stuff. So um, the first big thing is, I think if we start with the system, that could help us out. Um, is there anybody who really wants to hop in with something that they got that they really loved about this system? They really, really liked it. Uh, well, uh, I'll go, I guess. Um, go for it. So weird to ask volunteers, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think what's correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it was like sixty percent of the way through? Didn't they re revise part of it too? Um, yes, we I did. Think we have found that, that out by accident. <laughs> yeah, right. Because the um, when people spend luck in the system that in the version that we were using, there were only a few playbooks that had an effect not had an effect, but had an extra effect when you spent a luck point. And then we found an additional, a newer version or a different version of the playbooks where almost, almost if not all of the playbooks had a special thing that luck points did. And then like, so later in the game, it's like, I spend a luck point. Oh wait, this happens. Yeah. I feel we figured that out like real late, unfortunately, but uh, I guess we didn't use luck all that much anyway, though. So not too, anyway, to answer your question, um, I think uh, chicken parmesan. How do you know? I, I I know what your favorite kind of lover is. <laughs> um, yeah, I really liked my uh, my first class, uh, the mundane, Ashen's first class. Um, that one was really cool. It had a, it did a really good job of the moves, kind of telegraphing or advising at the very least how you should kind of play this character, how it should play out. It was really fun, especially uh, like being the one to, oh, 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 jinkies, I'm getting in trouble by advancing the plot. It was pretty, um, it was a fun, a well-designed class, I thought, for sure. I, oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I similarly liked The Professional just because of its emphasis on keeping the company in like it's his tool set and which for our game worked out very well of course given how big of a role lore court played and having it be like an integral part of the professionals like kit 
made sure that it was always sort of front and center. Um, but that said, I also liked how we switched playbooks. Half, well, not halfway, but at some point. Not because I didn't like the professional, but because like it kind of gave everyone like a jump start into being like, time has passed. Um, you have changed in like marked, irreversible ways. And here's how we show that. Yeah, I don't know how much we want to, We David and I had just talked about this, like disagree with one another on these different things or like debate them. And with the, the one thing I'll say about them, I, I also like Carl, I agree with you on the change of character, uh, character playbooks. I thought that was cool that everyone did one of those. I thought that that was kind of interesting. Um, I thought that was cool. I thought that was good. Um, David, you liked the mundane. And I agree with you that it really did push towards like a specific focus that jinkies, what am I doing? I, I'm wandering around. I lost my glasses and I stumble into whatever's going on. The one thing I wish was it created a problem for me running the game that it separated you constantly in those first couple sessions where you would constantly be like, all right, Ashton's going to wander away. He's already wandered off. And I don't mind splitting the party. But when it would always just be you've wandered away and the whole deal is you just stumble into something, I thought that I thought that at that at times that was kind of challenging to give you something that you can stumble into. Um that is also useful. Oh yeah, it sounds like an absolute nightmare to run. I'm really glad I didn't. Yeah, where it's like, where I'm like, oh, there's information that you could get, but stumbling into it would be hard because it would be like the kind of information you'd have to really look for and figure out and do this work. So I'd have to then give you like half, these little half measures. And I think at times that felt like I'm giving you nothing. Hmm. Yeah, I remember one of the moves is just like, you find something cool. The GM will tell you what it is. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to run this. This is very hard. Yeah. I, I do have a question, though, based on the, the professional, though, for Austin here. Um, how much was Lorecore kind of uh, central to the story before one of the players picked the professional? Or did you, like, use that as an inspiration or what? So I said somebody has to be a professional. Like, someone needed to do that. The Lore Corporation was supposed to be something that was there. That was kind of the, uh, I don't want to say the framing device for the game, but that was kind of the, the conceit of the game is you guys work for this company. This company is looking for supernatural stuff. We knew that the company was going to be bad probably from the very start. It was like a company, I think we even specifically said it has shady motivations. Um... So from the very beginning, that was there. What the Lore Corporation's plan was, was not even remotely fleshed out till probably the end of the third mystery. And then I was like, oh, okay, it's probably going to be something like this. Um, but it was always super key to what was going on. So uh, I like the system a lot. Um... I think that like the the things that I liked about it were uh, that it's a uh, powered by the apocalypse 
system. So uh, it was like rules light. It was easy to wrap your head around. You didn't have to sort of like constantly remember that your character had all these like gadgets and doodads and the like. I think um, I think one thing that's tricky about it, and also I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about this, like where where the system kind of does push you in a particular direction, and where the game you have is much more sort of like uh, has a specific vision to it. it it's interesting like how you resolve those tensions. So for instance, like impulse drive is this system that's like, you can be a dog or like a talking octopus or whatever. And yet it's also supposed to be like a space opera uh, system. Right. And likewise, like with this, you're like, Oh, this is going to be a mystery. Um, and we're going to sort of like slowly reveal the more magical elements. Uh, and I was constantly like, hey, when I level up, can I fly or use these magic dice or <laughs> like all these yeah. other things that were sort of in there that we were just kind of ignoring for a while. So I'd be curious what you think about that. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I was, uh, the game book itself suggests uh, basically the type of game that we ran as one of the possible options. Like you're working for this company and here are these people that you can, uh, here are the playbooks that would fit in with this uh, framework or this uh, conceit, and one of the ones that they suggested was the wounded. And I know Lee, like you, immediately were like, "That's the one I'm interested in." And I was like, "That's the one I don't want here because it's just this character who's like, I've lost everything. I'm just gonna kill. Damn it!" Like it's just like, okay, the Punisher shows up. I'm like, okay, I don't want that kind of stuff. Um, my positive. Wait, can, can you say more about that? Like, I because my view of it is like. These one-note characters make for bad TV, but can be quite fun to play. And oh, they can be. We they had can the be laser extremely. game where I was just like, I'm just going to play Zap Brannigan totally. Flat, oh, and that's character. and that's the difference between I think a and this gets out of the system stuff and gets more into the story thing. But I'll be very very quick. That's the difference I think between one shots and guest characters and a long-running character who's a key character to the story. Yeah, that's in fair. One, that makes in, sense. In a one shot, you can absolutely be Zap Brannigan. That's hilarious and really, really funny. Um, in a um, Don John, I, as like a guest character in uh, the Doisp game, I think worked. But that character who's just basically like a crazy crocodile Dundee is probably too annoying to be one of the four main leads of a show. Like that's probably just, he's too annoying. Um, so that's that's my thought with that stuff. It's so like those characters when they pop in and they're just like, my only mission is kill Prince Bladdock. He ruined my life uh, and I'll help you so long as I get the prince's head. And like, that's all this person is like committed to and that's all they want to do. Uh, Austin's yeah. girlfriend also left him for an Australian in high school. It's, so it's true, yeah. I there's I wanted to play stuff. that character. That was just mm -hmm. poor judgment. Yeah. Well, no, Alex, technically, technically you're speaking out of term. It was a it was a New Zealander, it was a Kiwi mm. specifically. I but still want to take this I want to take this opportunity to condemn Kiwis and condemn whoever thought this was a great idea for this game. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially any who are listening to this podcast. Yeah. Them especially. We're, we're talking about the fruit, though, specifically. That was the weird thing. Yeah, me too. Um, oh, I thought you meant the bird. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, so that that's that's my thought with that. I my positive for this, and then Alex, you think it'll be good in a in a second for your positive about the system. Um, my positive about the system is that, and I fought this at times. It really pushes you to, and I fought it. It pushes you to have this episodic nature to what's going on. It pushes you to say, this is the mystery we're focused on. There might be other shit going on in the background. There might be other bigger stuff. That's not what we're looking at. We're looking at this mystery. We're trying to solve the thing about the troll that lives under this bridge. And because we're trying to solve that, we're trying to solve the Weird Panther mystery. The moves are geared towards solving that mystery. And I think that that's a positive because I think this game does know essentially who it is. And a lot of the stuff that it does pushes you towards that. And then pushes you as a person running the game to do that. Now, did I resist that at times? Yes. And I think the third mystery, which is the longest one where there's 13 episodes in it. The, the third mystery is the one where you see that the most where I kept bringing in all of this extra shit about your characters that wasn't related to the mystery and related to the bigger plot. Um, and we generally used the system the least in those parts. And it was because the system is geared towards this is the monster of the week and we're trying to solve that thing right now. And once we've solved that, we move on to something else. And so I think it's a game that knows who it is and it it goes for that, and I, I can appreciate that. I agree that the siloed nature of each mystery is kind of cool. Like it gives it a focus for each sort of like uh, mm. arc. But I also think that, um, like in any TV show, even in ones that have like season arcs or weekly arcs, when the show gets closer to its end, it inevitably starts having to like tie in bigger things, like call back oh, yeah. previous arcs, like pay off character development. Uh, keep establishing the big bad so i think that some of that was sort of inevitable and not necessarily a bad thing at all i i think that this the as you put it siloed nature also gave us the advantage that like when lee when when taryn was born and you were busy understandably and david when you were getting married and you were busy it allowed us to say okay you're doing this stuff you're doing something else so you're not in this mystery and so we can not have you there and it not be an issue of like, well, Ashton's character is mysteriously gone or, oh, he's an NPC who's following you around and I'm just having him shrug in the background and having Sundry go, oh, damn right, in the background all the time. Yeah. Um, you're right about uh, using the system less during those circumstances, though, which I, I do think can lend to some muddiness but in the service of telling the story, again, I think it was kind of necessary. Alex, your thoughts on uh, positive of the system? Well, um, yeah, the lack of Australians and Kiwis definitely made it more immersive for me. I um, never had any sort of sympathy for you, Austin, because there were just total lack of them. Um, and you know what I, your girlfriend would, she would have been better off if she, if she was still with you. I just want you to know that Austin. Um, All right. I guess 
I guess I'll I guess I'll end this this marriage of mine. Yikes. <laughs> okay. And this on. podcast. See you, folks. Hold on. I'll be oh, right no. back. Don't I, don't take I, no. Sarah is still happily married to that Kiwi. Don't don't do that. She's it, still. It, it, it's too late. They're I've very much in love. I've already gotten up. You've I've walked away, and you just hear um. Uh, you just hear a gunshot, and then you see my wife cleaning <laughs> things up in the background. <laughs> like, uh, oh, what do I do? Nervously looking around. Bags you up. Uh, yeah, you hear. Her, you see her carrying a carpet out of the out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah, I really liked. Um. You know. I'm gonna tag along because until I can think of something original. Hey, but I really great, do it's a great like Girl Scout cookie. Go for it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At my age, I'm not. Yeah, I love Girl Scout cookies. But at my age, it's just not right to drive around parking lots looking for them. You know, mm -hmm. for opportunities to buy them. But um, so I uh, I did like the episodic nature. I did like that this was kind of like X Files, um, and you know, it would have been. I don't know. I struggled with my character quite a bit. And I think that I, I can't like say anything positive without including that because I feel like if I had a better idea from the get-go of what my character is going to be in this sort of a framework, um, even though X, uh, sorry, uh, X-Files is, it is episodic, but yet the characters, you expect the same thing from them every episode. And um I wish I could have delivered a little more consistency um, as we played more games, especially the vampire game was, I really enjoyed that um, with uh, all, there was a lot of action in it. And um, I really liked that. That long scene in the men's room. The, I seriously was thinking about the men's room. I honestly, <laughs> I honestly, I personally loved that scene in the men's room. I was like, all right, now let's get down to brass tacks. Um, but um, I yeah I on I love that episode. Love the bathroom scene, honestly. Even though it took a while, um, a lot of action and my character. It wasn't a lot of fun to play him developing personal connections. I I, I couldn't figure out a way to balance out a character who is so painfully awkward and um, also like a megalomaniac, also. Um, doesn't really understand human relationships too well. Um, it was hard to like try to picture him in a romantic relationship, which is why I, you know, kind of wish I, I rolled something a little different because my favorite thing about this game, hands down, was the way that NPCs um, just... They were not episodic. They were part of the environment. They were part of the setting. And they were part of the overall arc. And I really appreciated that. Because most... Any good game... I mean, I've played a lot of games. And I will say that any good game has memorable NPCs that the players love and that come around again. And sometimes the GM doesn't always anticipate which NPC that's going to be. Um, but you certainly rolled with the punches really well or, or with our, you know, what, what we were, who we were wanting to interact with, be it Waffle House and the crew there, um, or, um, Addie Zim's 
there were just a lot of very memorable NPCs, and I liked how you um, methodically kept track of them and made it very easy for the players to keep track of them too. So great job on that. I appreciate that. Although there are some games that I'm going to have to start out the game uh, warning the listeners, hey, we changed the character's name from Grant Childers to Grant Chetters at some point, and it's because I fucking forgot what his name was. And from one session to the next, uh, changed it up. Uh, and I, I did that several times with a few people. I changed the name of this towers from the Palm Knowles Tower Gardens to the Cypress Knowles Tower Gardens. And in my head, that's just unforgivable. All right, cool. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's so. just scrap this, you know, take it off the podcast and start over. Fuck yeah. this duck. Take it from yeah. the top. All right. Um, should we, I know Alex is cooking, but should we get started with the next portion of this? So we're, what are we talking about? What we dislike? Yeah, now it'll be the it'll be the dislike portion. What you disliked about the system. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, like the obvious ones are there was no like read a bad situation kind of role. Um, what you mean then, read a bad do you mean read a person role? Yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. It was, like was definitely a read a bad situation. Uh, uh, Powered by the apocalypse world moves that we it's, used a lot. It's the charm play. slash read person thing. Yeah. And then like and so that just like there were a lot of times we were just sort of, like trying to ask questions and I think like uh, there wasn't necessarily like a good system way of doing that. And so that just led to like some awkwardness. Um, and then I'd say like the, the other part of it that it sort of harkens back to what I was talking about earlier, when you try to shoehorn in uh, like a longer game into like an episodic system is like sometimes the, the investigate a mystery role was sort of like, the I win button and I'd be like, I'm pushing the I win button. Why don't I win? Like, like where, like, why aren't we getting the answer to the solving the mystery? And you're like, well, because that would end the entire game, <laughs> you know, uh, which made sense. But I think like system wise, uh, it, it sort of like uh, incorporated difficulty because I think it almost lends itself to a, a pulpier, you know, uh, buffier style game in a way. The one, the one thing I'll push back on about the, I agree with you with a lot of what you said. The one thing I'll push back on you on about the investigative mystery is we had some disagreements about how information should be doled out when it came to investigative mystery and looking at some of those questions they do very specifically say, hey, this mystery for the monster of the week, this is the answer to these issues. This is how Mulder and Scully freaking find what they're looking for. This is how they find the um, the weird monster that's a cockroach monster or whatever it is. Or they go into the, the peacock family's house where they're all inbred and crazy. Um, the one thing I'll say, though, is those answers can change over time, like some of those are, what's it about to, what's going to happen? And it's like, well, when you ask that, that answer changes. You know what I mean? Like you ask it and then you ask, like later on, 
that question is still a valid question because now something else is going to happen because you've acted on other things. Um, where is it? Well, unless it's a monster that's just like, it's a haunted house. It's going to be moving around and that kind of thing. And so um, I can definitely agree with you that it felt at times that that was an I win button and I was nervous about using it. And I definitely pushed back or withheld some stuff as a failing of my own. But every now and again, I'd look at that and go, wait a minute. Actually, there's there's room for this to, the answer isn't always the, always the same. I don't have a ton novel to add to that. Mine was also going to be this sort of push and pull between feeling like you only have the investigative mystery role and that being the, something the players feel sort of like funneled into versus the extreme difficulty on your end of letting us use that role and come up with answers that didn't spill all the beans while also moving things forward. Um, and there were plenty of times where like that sort of like tension between um, players expecting like something fruitful and you wanting to give it, but not, you know, um, invalidate all progress was definitely a tough thing to get used to. And I agree with Lee. I think it's largely because this game sort of was geared towards like a shorter arc. And we made it work, but it took some getting used to. Um, okay, yeah, I think um, for me, I, just to kind of hopefully not not too redundantly uh, say what Lee was saying, uh, the investigate the mystery was my definite frustration, especially at the beginning. I know there's uh, parts of it where I was getting very frustrated, uh, but um, I I still kind of have no idea what the overall intention of what that's supposed to be and like what's like what the designers were were really trying to do with that move and i just i think at some point just try to avoid um triggering it all together i'm just like uh i'll just read a situation so it's fine awesome don't worry about it uh it, that that move that basic move in particular was like very confusing for me through most of it the biggest weakness that i had with this game lee already said there was no read a person move. And I think one of the things that that ends up pushing you towards in this game is that you would have to use a combination of the investigate a mystery and the read a situation for that read a person element. So it removes the personal from this. And that kind of fits with what the game is supposed to be in that, like in an episode of the X-Files, fact that Peter Boyle is in this as this guy who says he can see the future he's not going to matter after this mystery so who cares but in a game where it's not just 45 minutes of uh, uh, Jillian Anderson and David Duchovny figuring stuff out in a game where it's like oh okay this is eight or nine sessions of us fucking around through this mystery, the characters, in my opinion, became more, they became more important. I also wanted them to be resources that you guys could go to regularly. So rather than have it be read a mystery or in, uh, investigate a mystery, I wanted you to go and meet a person and talk with that person. So now you have this resource of Addie Zems. Now you have this resource of, um, 
Dr. Lester from the college who can tell you about the occult. Now you have this resource of this other person and that requires more interpersonal stuff. And the fact that there wasn't a role for that could mean that uh, there were some hiccups. Well, one of the things we did at some point, we either seriously discussed or we actually did just import the Oh yeah, we did. We did sev think, several times, yeah. I think that was a great call. I think that we turned this game into something that wasn't originally entirely envisioned by the system, recognized that, and reacted accordingly. And I think that changing the system in ways that are you know fair and consistent, obviously, to fit what we want to do with it is a good idea. Yeah, I think a, a thing that is simultaneously great about the Apocalypse World systems, the Powered by the Apocalypse World systems, and a thing that is a massive cop-out of a lot of them is, well, whenever you don't know what to do, you can always just create a custom move to deal with that particular situation. And it's like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And I can also. Oh, I don't whatever. think we did that. I got... uh, yeah, but they 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 push that at times, and so it's like, okay, well now I'm going to be just importing these things from these other games, and I I think that that it was it was a good idea when we did it, but the fact that it it at times felt like the game we were playing and the system we were using we're grinding against each other and not in a sexual way, but uh, in a way that, oh, this train's not running properly. And again, and not in a sexual way. I think like one of the, one of the tensions with using this system in a story driven game is that like the move, some of the moves are so powerful or so like GM, I'm forcing you to take a left turn here. Right. That, um, like if you really go with them, you're kind of uh, running the risk of scrapping all of your prep. And so like I think toward the end, DJ had a move that was like, what, what was it, DJ, where it's like you give them some concrete assurance and then they do what you want them to do or something like that? Um, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I can look that up real fast. But yeah, it was something ridiculous. Yeah, it was like a I win button. I had something that was like just... I beat the monster. Like, like I'm, I'm the chosen. I always know the monster's weakness, uh, or it's not like that. But it's like, it's like whatever. What any damage I do counts as though I'm like exploiting the weakness or something like that. And there were a few things that uh, we encountered where it's just like very uh, sweeping, sort of powerful moves. And I think if you gave them their full range, you would run into you know a risk of just playing a very different, like kind of more incoherent game. I think the move you're thinking about for David's character was the uh, tell you the truth move. Yeah, it's, look, like, it's the trust me from the yeah, mundane. Yeah, trust me, where it's like, oh, if I tell you guys the truth about what's going on and the risks to you, you'll agree with me. You're like, you'll you'll cooperate. Um, the, the problem I always had with that was I felt we were never fully telling people the truth. We were always telling them like a very abridged version of what's up. I, I agree with you. There were times where I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, oh shit. Well, how does this work? Well, yeah. So you're you're right. And um powered by the apocalypse systems almost always do that. We ran into the same problem in the L5R game where it's like, "Hey, I'm the head of a illegal opium cartel, and here's the stuff that I'm doing that's really bad." 
at some point you could ask me a question and I have to answer it truthfully based on the things and that will entirely blow up the whole big arc of the game. Like, oh, well, fuck. Alex, uh, negatives of the system that you saw? Um, yeah, so I kind of found the moves of my character to not really be that helpful all the time. Uh, for the same reason that Lee raised in that investigate a mystery is kind of, um, it, it is kind of the I win button. And also it can, I mean, I understand the challenges if you're, if you're running the game, it's, I'm thinking of masquerade here in that system. Someone has aspects and they're just like, oh yeah, I can, I can read this person's mind or like see their motives and intentions. The whole point of the scene was for them to be deceived. Um, for for a story element it, it's tough to balance out the the um players and um their uh i guess impact on the game and and the overall uh excitement of the full story so i um yeah i mean as a character that was just my whole my whole deal is i'm really good at investigating mysteries and um also, I have all these bonuses um, throughout the mystery that will make will make make our jobs a whole a whole of a you know heck of a lot easier. Um, yeah, I, I I didn't always feel I don't know like uh, um, the growth of that character or you know its development. You know, I felt like well, it doesn't really matter because I'm we're still going to be you know on. Um, doesn't matter if I get like a crazy awesome role. There's only so much that you can really do um, with this type of a character. That's like kind of meta, I guess. Um, I so yeah, that would be what I didn't like about the system. I wish that it had other mechanics that it relied on. Um, it, it really relied heavily on that one mechanic. Um, hmm. I think that's a good point. That it really does that role investigate a mystery until you guys are fighting a monster or put in the way of a person who says you can't go in here and you have to be like, well, how about if I manipulate you? Like investigate a mystery is the role that you're going to make. I don't want to say nine times out of 10, but unless it's some kind of combat or like you're talking to a specific person, you're, almost always going to be making that role. And maybe that's the deal with that role, that that role helps you find this information that gets you to a place. And then you run into that other shit and get information from people because you're manipulating a person. You're, um, <coughs> you're reading a bad situation, that kind of deal. Maybe that's the role, the, the goal of that role, the old gold rolled pretzels. Uh, what was your favorite aspect of the game from a story or character perspective? I liked that at like the outset of the game when we were making our characters, we kind of talked about what kind of character we wanted to make, but also like what we wanted them to do or what we wanted to do in the game with them. And I really enjoyed being able to say like broad strokes, I want a character who is very loyal to two things and 
becomes increasingly torn between the two and becomes like possibly like approaching being the bad guy or like having to pick between these two very important things and like being able to play it out and like having that arc um like uh really it's like satisfyingly ended um and that's not even that's even before we get to the arcs we discovered along the way like with sundry um so i liked that i got to um like have a meaningful resolution to that sort of theme that i wanted to explore from the very beginning I liked uh, in this one just sort of <clears throat> leaning into playing a likable character, like not necessarily having uh, too much dimension to him. There wasn't uh, like he he didn't really have this hidden dark side or like things like that. And it was also nice sort of going from a like um, like his character arc was all positive as well. Like he was going from being upset about his the loss of his wife to sort of like slowly uh, building a life for himself and also like redeeming himself. And so all of that was very enjoyable. Uh, and also I think whenever you play these characters, you kind of inhabit them to some degree. And so you want to wear the skin of like someone you would be comfortable being to some extent. And so getting to be someone who was just like kind and self-sacrificing and um, kind of like did the right thing, it, it was it was really enjoyable. Um, I guess I'll go. Uh, this was this was kind of touched on, but I, I really like the uh, the slow build of the supernatural, like how we started off kind of uh, thinking about lycanthropes, and then by the end we had where Panthers helping us fight demons. It was a, a steady progression. I thought that was pretty cool. I liked this stuff with the, with Matlock quite a lot. Um, I liked, that was my favorite part of the development of my own character was, uh, um, this like supernatural creature. I, I thought you played him really well, Austin. Um, I, yeah, I, I I like the you know I like the monsters. I like the occult stuff. I like um I like all that too. Um, but it was cool to have some creatures like Matlock that were kind of independent, um, independent, good natured characters. That also had a touch of monstrous to them um, for guidance. So yeah, I I would say that was definitely my favorite NPC. That kind of ties into my that my disclaimer earlier that my big regret with with uh, rolling Darkblade was just making a character that was not good at socializing because he like um, I, I at least didn't find a good way to get him to to uh, develop relationships with other NPCs, but that was one that he, he was able to develop a relationship with. And thank you for creating Matlock. Hey, I named my cat after that fake cat. The, oh, that's um, awesome. Oh, and as a crazy story today, we were petting him and I was like, what's this thing on his side? Alex, is this like a scab? And we pulled a splinter out of him. 
Like he had this big weird splinter just stuffed in the side of his skin. And it was like, how did he not notice this? And we not notice this, but um, it's a fairy uh, rune. Yeah, exactly. I, I, then afterwards he granted me three wishes, but they were only wishes yeah. that I, they were only wishes that a house cat could fulfill. Yeah. It's like so he gets were, slightly more cat food each time. Yeah. So they were like, I won't pee over here. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I was hoping you wouldn't in advance. And he's like, well, I won't pee over here. And I was like, oh, so in this room? And he's like, no, 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 no. You got to be more specific. Um, like, Wait, you can talk? Uh, anyway, so uh, I think that this game, from a story perspective, one thing I loved was it gave me the opportunity to run some of the stuff that I've always wanted to run. Um and deal with some of the imagery that I've always wanted to deal with. I got the opportunity to run a haunted house in, in the third mystery where the uh, Cypress Knowles tower gardens, where it's like, here's this crazy location. That's spooky as fuck. Um, I got the opportunity to deal with these, uh, like almost body horror stuff with the beetles that would go into people's bodies. It's very I got gross. The op- I got the opportunity I don't think I did it as well as I could have. In retrospect, I would, if I was writing the script for this, I would do it differently. I got the opportunity to do um, like a Twilight Zone esque. Hey, there's another version of me, body snatcher style, walking around. What the fuck? Kind of a deal. Um, in the in the final mystery, I thought so, that was great. I really enjoyed that. That was, I. If I had to choose my favorite mysteries, if I had to rank the mysteries, and there's only five, so this won't be too tough. Unfortunately, the first mystery I liked the least. Um, I liked the characters that came out of it, but I didn't like the mystery as much because I felt it was almost too straightforward, and a lot of the a lot of the feel of like a werewolf story didn't come out. Um. The, I think my favorite was probably the third mystery. The only dilemma with that one was it was the longest one because I tried to incorporate a ton of extra character shit into that. So like, oh, Sundry, you and Mr. Heck are meeting up and talking about this. Uh, Mr. Welker, you and Anna Cross are having these conversations. Ashton, you're doing all these things. Darkblade, you're doing this. So all of this extra shit was in that one. If I stripped all of that out, that didn't have to be anywhere near as long, but I loved that it was this, uh, it was a vampire story about this vampire that shows up, makes a haunted house. You guys go through the haunted house and eventually kill the vampire. Um, the fourth mystery with the Beatles, you know, Ringo, John, George, Paul, uh, the fourth mystery with all the, the, with the beetle demon was cool because I liked it because the, uh, it was just so gross this idea that these things fill up your body take over your skin and are just walking you around as a puppet um i like that that one was cool as well because we really started to incorporate the interpersonal relationships there too like for instance the whole matlock dilemma was like a big deal there it was integral to solving the mystery but it was also like very illuminating like between two characters the oh yeah, exorcism where the demon says says inconvenient truths about your interpersonal relationships. Yeah, yeah that's that, that stuff that stuff was great. So that one was really really good. I wish that one 
if if I could have traded it, maybe that one would have been the longer one of the of the two. But the um, and then I really liked the the final mystery where there were the doppelgangers because it's just so creepy. The idea that you're doing something and then the audience sees in the background another version of you walk past or somebody says like, you know, you're on a date and you say goodbye to your date and then you go inside and your date calls you and is like, hey, it was good. Uh, I'm glad glad we had this date at the restaurant. And it's like, oh, you called me already from the car? And it's like, what? I've been in the car for an hour going back home. And you're like, what? I just don't think it was portrayed super well and in part because I had you guys run into doppelganger you so quickly. I should have held that back a bit yeah. and had you guys do other shit. I think you could have slow burned it a bit, but I, I loved it. And like one of the things I loved about it is like because we ran into ourselves, we didn't know at any given moment if we were playing like the true version of ourselves versus just like another shadow. Yeah. That was really good. And then the other thing that I really liked about it is with the doppelganger stuff, you could easily have just gone the route where it's like, and I'm the evil sundry and I do all the evil stuff. And you didn't do that. And I think that that was good. Yeah, I, I, I wanted that aspect. And the way I thought about it was just whenever you fail a role, one possibility, if it makes even remote sense, is um, a, another player character you're with or an important person you're with or even another PC who's with you is just like, you just go, wait a minute, how do you realize this isn't the real Sundry? How do you realize this isn't the real Dark Blade? That kind of thing. And that was... Uh, there was one scene like that where like before it happened even, like... Sundry killed, I think it was Darkblade. <laughs> and and based on like how I had been tracking it, I thought that Darkblade was the I Lee, the the player, thought that Darkblade was the real uh um version of himself. But I was like, fuck it, I want to see what happens here. <laughs> and there was enough like distrust that I was like, okay, I just attack him. And then I had this crazy like role where it's like it would have killed anyone it hit. Uh, and I, I kept waiting for the other foot to drop after that, where it's like, yeah, you just killed like a player character. I, I should, I, and I should have done that with an important NPC. It should have been like, yeah, that was um, Darian Pringle. That was Addie Zems. That was this person. And yeah, you you killed them. I thought it was Addie Zems. Didn't they really kill her? No. Oh, okay. Um, and again, I regret that that there wasn't a situation, especially earlier on, once you guys were like, okay, there's doppelgangers, we gotta be on the lookout. I wanted to, like, I almost wish that there had been a moment of, and then, oh, look at those. <laughs> um, I almost wish that there'd been a moment of like, okay, we know that these there's doppelgangers around. This person's bad, kill him. And then, oh, that was them. And that's why I, mean, I tried to push. We did for, have that scene with where like we weren't sure if she was real or not, and I I think that that was great. Uh, yeah, I thought it worked out well. I just yeah, I just I wish I would have pushed it even further where you did indeed. Somebody did indeed kill. Like oh, oops, nope, we fucked up. That was the real so and so. 
I think when we're listing episodes, we shouldn't forget about what we all probably agree is the best episode, which is the the case of the Gilman's eggs. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so good that we um, retired it and didn't even show the audience that. Yeah, like the Hall perfect. of Fame episode. Yeah, I, actually, that's I know not on the um, the list of stuff that I said we should talk about. But how do you guys? What do you guys think about the fact that? we started out where this wasn't our first mystery. We'd had a mystery already. We had a success though, a partial success in solving this. And then we, we dealt with the, the Gilman a little bit, but I wouldn't say that the Gilman returning was like a big emotional payoff or anything on account of, you know, it was sort of a, a thing that took place before the game proper. But I'm a big fan of anything that establishes a history for the characters, like from the get-go. Like shared is is best kind, which is what we had. And I mean any kind for that matter though, where it's like something you can draw on that happened in your past, something you could talk about, something we can like uh refer to and like um reference. Yeah, I very yeah. much agree with that. Yeah, I uh and masks use this uses this uh, also to great effect. I, yeah, I think I, I think I think we yeah. were using I don't remember if Monster of the Week says you've already done a mystery. Tell us I about think, that. I think it does. I'm pretty okay. sure. But I, I wasn't I sure it, if it did, but I, I was very heavily basing it on the mask stuff if it had not. Earned. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think it saves so much time and energy. Like, oh, I can't trust these people. Who are they? Why are they here? Oh, my gosh. Mm. And uh, you just go right into, no, you're a team. You already kind of know each other. You've at least done one thing get over it now we're now we're playing a game i i love that's that that's true yeah it also kind of gets rid of that like you said that like the or the mandatory origin story that goes for like two hours it's like who hello i'm me you're you how are you where are you from do i yeah it, just like you said i agree austin it's, told me about this game he was running in college and austin he can tell the story but it's like a, a vampire game that he was running with some strangers and he had some like convoluted plot already and then all of them were like no, I don't do any of those things. I, like, yeah. I, I, I go to a parking lot and I like fill it up with gasoline so no one can get in. And I set the ultimate perimeter and start yeah. yeah, it was a lot of that. Like, yeah, I, I immediately do this. That's funny. So our next thing is missed opportunity. So something that you wished that you had done differently. So the goal of this is to say like, hey, it's basically to be a critique, but a critique on yourself rather than another person. Um, and to kind of like look at stuff and say, you know, I wish I had, I, I, I didn't do this the way I wanted to, or I wish I had done this differently. Yeah, um, I think I already repeated a couple, I think I answered all my other questions with uh, which dark, I wish I rolled dark play a little differently, um, you know, we can't all have the undeniable uh, sex appeal of sundry charms, but it still would have been nice to be able to get along with some characters, even if, I don't know, I wasn't going to be um, the character that they lust after, um, the one that they think about before they go to bed. Uh, just would have been nice to be a character that was a little more, um, a little more social, a little more able to gel, I, I don't know. I kind of do enjoy playing games where you are the one who messes everything up like a barbarian and just uncouth. But um, at the end of the day, you just got to find your ride or die. And, you know, you got to find the people that 
that you mesh with in the game. And um, turned out that everybody um, wanted to be with uh, Sundry Charms at the end of the game. And um, yeah, I don't know that I could play a character with that much sex appeal. And uh, my regret is um, not making an advance on Sundry Charms before the game ended, telling him how I really felt. Okay, I like this. Now would would now would Dark Blades um, desire to have many many children? Have uh, how would that have gone over? Would well, he like have to have been like like Sundry? Now we have to use your star power to adopt many many children. Yes, that was definitely something that was important to Dark Blade was um, having procreating. That was mm-hmm. if if you as the GM allowed him to procreate, I think that he probably would have just left the party. <laughs> And he would have moved to the suburbs. So it, it was good. I understand why you didn't allow him to procreate. But... <laughs> I, didn't pro- I didn't preclude procreation. <laughs> well, we added Brian's so that that onus was sort of off you. You know, your genes yeah. will, will survive. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, I, think we, I think we said in the end that Brian was acting as a ninja preventing uh, Darkblade from procreating. So every time Darkblade did... Um, uh, have coitus, Brian would step in and make sure that uh, that there was no impregnation that occurred. And that that's what just, you know, all of his foiled impregnations, all the opportunities that he had to impregnate women um, and to have them all be foiled, it just drove Darkblade nuts. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of missed you know, missed opportunities to, to have. So, so a character question for you, Alex. Baby so s- since your character came in as this kind of like weird incel, uh, like almost um, like basement dwelling computer nerd um, who I guarantee you is based on a certain person that we know in part, do you have any like did you like at any points feel weird with that character where you were like saying like just crazy shit? No, and I, I honestly you know I, I didn't really know uh, because I believe I believe all of it. You believe what? Oh no, I was it was just a oh. joke as if you were like, oh, No, gotcha, I don't feel crazy. Gotcha. That wasn't crazy stuff, it was the truth, idiot. Yeah, <laughs> just spend enough time on YouTube, man. You'll find some you'll find some opinions. Oh god. <laughs> um I, I honestly did not base him as heavily as you think off of a, a mutual friend, even though the name kind of harkens to it. But I I really was in the early games thinking about someone who who would be red pill, who would have like really toxic views on on women. And um, I I found in like the whole incel subculture to be really fascinating and um it, it became really clear that this wouldn't be a a um, family friendly character to like to play that to the full extent. So that that was one of the reasons why I wanted to re-roll early on, um, and I didn't mind having him killed off and start with something else. But um, yeah, he he dark played just as he uh, he he's yeah. That's pretty funny, Ashton, to see the guy from the big Johnson shirts from the 90s. I totally forgot about that. That was quite a bizarre 
that's the kind of stuff my parents would buy and think it's like a really funny gag gift, you know, like big Johnson. Do you get it? Um, right after they get some like smack my ass salsa and it has a picture of a donkey on it. And they're like, Oh, do you get it? The joke a, is you get it. Fiery ass salsa. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now salty. I get it. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, that's the end of my, uh, you know, my my. Uh, that's all I gotta say. That's okay. that's how I that's that's how I finish my closing statements. Uh, <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah, that's all I got, and, and that's that, the way the cookie crumbles. I don't yeah. know what else to say. You gotta you gotta finish with sorry. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry. All, all of Alex's clients have been. Uh, put on death row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alex has tattoos of all of them. On his yeah. like, it's kind of appropriate you end with a sorry in that case. Yeah, yeah sorry guys. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta apologize to the client too. I don't really give the death penalty for this one. Or yeah, it just looks at Alex and he's shrugging and it goes, it does that that curb your enthusiasm music. And the person's just like, I'm gonna die. Hey man, I told you I was I would get the job done fast. Yeah, not well. All right. Listen, man, I said we'd be through with this trial. I didn't say how it would go. You said you wanted it. You said you wanted your case resolved as soon as possible. I did that. Yeah. Listen, man, just plead guilty. The the, the charge is murder. Hey, you're like a t attorney genie. You would bring their wish, but never in a way they want. I that would be a great concept for a show. Or just a I, sketch comedy. The um, uh, our, okay. So other missed opportunities. I got one. Uh, Go for it. So like in the in the early part of the game, I was sort of like pushing this arc that uh, maybe Sundry was Ashton's dad, and uh, like I think anytime you're pushing an arc that really influences another player you've got to get like not just buy-in, but also you got to really be on the same page. And I think like also like it's going to be of questionable worth unless you're like sort of perfectly in sync. Right. Like I do think like the, the Welker sundry stuff where it's like, Oh, uh, Welker kills sundry's wife. And that that's like an intense uh, connection as well. But it sort of like paid off because it was something that we've we discussed a lot more in advance and like really fleshed out. But I guess I regret that initial arc because it sort of like put out some red herring stuff or like things that we later abandon. And I think it could be confusing, but also just like anytime you spend developing one arc, you're not developing a different arc. And, uh, and so I consider that just sort of a, a mistake on my part and uh, a bit of a missed opportunity. Uh, yeah, I, I was definitely the one who put the kibosh Bosch on that. So I'm responsible for the disappointment, but I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of jokes here. I don't know if this is going in a way, but I'm not really interested in exploring that. Is that okay? If we drop it. And to, uh, to your, um, you know, uh, thank you, I guess, uh, for you guys like, uh, no, I guess, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I guess we'll, uh, 
we'll nix that. And it kind of came back at the end, I thought, in a really good way, kind of uh, at the funeral. So, yeah, that's uh, a good point. I, I was happy with how that tied out. Yeah. But that was a good point. I guess if since I'm since I'm already unmuted, I'll say my thing also was uh my biggest um I guess uh misstep that I took, I think, was not getting the uh the tone right from the beginning. Which I think uh we did a good job of kind of going over it, but for some reason I just had my mind that this was uh more of like a buffy angel or like a B movie type thing, especially after the uh I think I was making lots of uh I don't know references to the uh, the Gilman kind of being like a B made for TV movie thing. So I was thinking more of a, a lighthearted, more of a maybe like a funny kind of thing. So I rolled up this character that was basically, you know, Morty almost like the the hapless intern. Whereas as we went further into it, I realized that this was more of a an X Files or that like evil TV show that just came out recently. And I was like, Oh, this character is not fit in here. How am I going to kind of make them, you know, you know, contort into this, uh, the story that everyone else is telling. And, uh, if I had figured out earlier on, that would have been way easier. Yeah. I think I, I think I didn't help that situation because I used Buffy as an example I have never watched Buffy. I think I watched like one or two episodes as a kid because um, it was it it was a popular show, and I think I watched it, it and I was like, "Oh, this isn't what I thought it was gonna be." And I never watched another episode. So I, I think I watched maybe two maximum, maybe two. And um, so thinking about it is that I didn't know that um, we certainly have a lot of like jokes and all kinds of stuff in the game, but a lot of the jokes are with the exception of dark blades, crazy things of being like, no, I'll tell you the, the Panther has, it has to have ribbons in their ass or whatever it is. Like it's a lot of asides and I think the asides are funny and I kept a lot of them in every now and again, there's some episodes that I think are probably going to end on a very serious note and then we'll then have a joke afterwards. And so I think that might bother some folks and I'll have to double check on that. But yeah, I had never seen that. So I think, that was partially my fault for saying this will this will be like Buffy without knowing what the fuck that was. It's funny, that comparison actually really worked out for me because I explicitly based my character off of Wesley from Angel and who's like a guy who starts off very well put together and kind of like bookish and um, incompetent. Well, you know, nothing special and like gets like darker and gruffer and loses things and like, like grows in that direction. Um, so I like, I guess I enjoyed like the angel sort of like analogy at the beginning. Cause it worked out in my end. Um, as far as missed opportunities for the character go, I, I quite enjoyed where my character's arc went 
Um, I don't have anything big in that department, really. I guess I would say uh, I've learned after playing enough of these games that generally going big is always the better option in any situation like of any kind. And I guess I could have gone bigger insofar as what he loses, because I'd always seen it as being like, okay, he's got to pick at some point, his family or the company. And I think the obvious choice is pick your family, of course. But it would have been kind of cool if he'd like gone down the path towards being like, no, I picked the company. And he, he I kind of did, like where he like uh, is separated from his wife, uh, is estranged from his family for a while, and like looks like a walking skeleton, which he essentially realizes he is. Um, and I like that. But like maybe I could have even gone a bit further and been like, oh, some of his family dies, and he's like kind of responsible for that, or like he just forsakes them at some point and maybe comes back to them later. Um, and I think that would have only worked and been at all compelling if um, if more time had been spent like sort of with Welker and his family, which I don't think we should have done. Like I think it's kind of it's it's a tough thing for me to be like, here, everyone, listen to this scene where I just talk to NPCs in like this intimate manner uh, for my own character's development. I, I didn't feel super comfortable doing that. Huh. That's see, I I I wish I wish we could have had more of that stuff. As, I as, guess, but and and I agree with you. It would have been kind of lame. Yeah, but exactly. I, I wish we could have had more of it. But yeah, it would have been like, lame. From a TV perspective, I totally agree. I wish that, like, in the end, like that stuff did exist. Like this, like bond was like shown between him and his family more because that would have like made whatever decisions were made there much more poignant. But it's tough in a game to like ask for time to be dedicated to that sort of thing. So I'm not sure if at any point like I picked like the right line to draw one way or another with that particular thing. Um, the big missed opportunity, Jessica Lore. Jessica Lore should have been a much more important character through the fucking whole game. And here's where I think I messed up. I introduced Anna Cross. And Anna Cross was an intermediary between Jessica Lore and the rest of the and the party that should have just been jessica lore like the character of anna cross i had another idea for her and honestly in retrospect i shouldn't have had that character at all in the game like it should have just been jessica lore was getting you guys to do this stuff even if all the same shit happened between jessica lore and welker that the stuff happened between anna cross and welker hit the microphone. I think that that would have been fine. I think that the problem was this character who's supposed to be so important that she's the one that this demon is manipulating into doing this stuff should have been more present in the game. And I really regret that she wasn't. Um, she doesn't come in till pretty... Yeah, she's just not really there much throughout the game. And I regret that. I think, like, to Alex's point earlier, like, one of this game's strengths was its NPCs. I don't think that it was the friendly NPCs, though. Like, like the, the people that we'll remember from this game are, like, Mr. Heck and Bishop. Like, those are, like, people we have, like, vivid memories of. And to a lesser extent, I think the the 
the like the other NPCs that mattered were like for me it was like Mother Thala, um, for Alex probably like Eddie Zems, right? And those were like killed off at at one point or another. And like with Jessica Lure, I just say like I think you got to be prepared to just throw out the playbook at at a certain point, and it's like okay. I have this character. My plan was to build everything around her. And it's like, well, why not just like not do that and not like introduce her backstory in the very last episode and instead just like be like, well, I've got Bishop or I've got Mr. Heck, right? I've got these people who are like well-established, not necessarily like in your lore for the game in your backstory for the game, but with the players. Yeah. And that's, and that's why, if if Honor Cross's character and Jessica Lore's character had been combined, that would have worked very well because Honor Cross had dealt with multiple characters, had had this history with Welker, had had this other stuff, and that worked well. Um, but I think that's an example, uh, in part, an example of I didn't know where the game was going. So I didn't know when I introduced Anna Cross that she was going to be like a police informant that turned out that she thought she was a police informant. Actually, she wasn't. I didn't know that Jessica Lore was a person who was like being tricked by a demon to welcome him into the world, like that kind of thing. I didn't know that stuff. And so since I didn't know that stuff, I had these two characters that should have been one character and they were doing this shit. And in retrospect, they were the same person. Like they should have been, they should have been the same character. And I regret that they weren't. And so there could have been more of a connection, even if it was like, Oh, Welker and Jessica Lore sleep together. Like that still could have been great. I definitely get the difficulty. It's like you don't want to... It's like you say, you don't know how long the game's going to go or where it's going to go, so you don't want to ramp up to, like, the 11 of... The big bad is, like, you know, rolling around in the mud with all of you in, like, Season 2. Um, but then I guess it's like, like I said earlier, like, go big quickly, and maybe that would have, like, um, prevented that problem. All right, so this last one is Roads Not Taken, is how I've described it. And it's things we thought about doing but didn't do or stuff we had in the background that never came out. I could have used the grenade launcher a few more times. Yeah. That grenade... Oh, man. I will say, (laughs) you guys being as armed as you were, especially given that oftentimes you were in situations where you weren't just like, we're in a field fighting a Godzilla. Like, that wasn't what was going on. That fucking drove me crazy where it's like, okay, so you shoot a grenade (laughs) into this building. Um, Well, what happens then? Yeah, that's a fair point. I think 90% of set pieces weren't designed designed for grenades. (laughs) Well, it it wasn't even so much like the, oh, the building would fucking collapse, but just also like at that point, it's not even being remotely subtle. Like there's a (laughs) war zone going on over here. Um, 
let me go ahead and go first with this one uh, rather than last. So a, a thing I had wanted to do and I think I had planned to do, but didn't come to fruition was about on a cross. My initial idea with on a cross was that she was a, um, a forerunner to Welker stuff where she was like a homunculus of some kind. Like she was like a false person that was created um, by the lore corporation that like, they were basically like making their own Frankenstein monsters and that she was like the best version that they had created. That's interesting. And so like when I described her, it was, Oh, she looks like a celebrity, but you can't put your finger on what celebrity she is. And I think I described her as like, it looks like different parts of different celebrities are put together in this person. And I was initially trying to get this idea that there's something sinister about her and she's not a normal person. And then it was like, there's too many other things. Fuck this idea. And I just kind of threw it away. <laughs> so that was an interesting thing. I think that I just bailed on. That's fascinating. It's fascinating to me that none of us would ever have known that if you hadn't just said that. Nope. I, and it, because I, I looked at it and was like, there's no reason to do this. There's so many other fucking things that are important. And then once she's like, I'm a informant for the police or a cop or whatever, that becomes the way more important thing. Mm. Then also saying, and also I'm a Frankenstein monster is like, well, yeah. And I'm a Rhodes scholar. Yeah, sure. Well, surf Dracula up in here. Yeah. Yeah. And I got bronze in a surfing competition in California three years ago. Right. So that was that was the thing that I had initially thought of, but just didn't I didn't do anything with it because I was like, oh well, fuck it. Um well, uh sort of the opposite of what you just asked, but after the fact, um I was thinking like beating myself up, like why didn't during the uh what was that the third one, the vampire one? Mm-hmm. Um when Reagan died. I was like, it would have been way more interesting if, especially because I knew I was I was having that break after it. I was like, I should have just somehow sacrificed Ashen to uh, to save her or to redeem her in some way. Um, and instead of her dying, you know, at the end, and that would have been pretty dramatically interesting. But also, then I could have come back as like a new character instead of kind of redesigning Ashen from the gra- ground up um, as like a completely different like I've got an eye patch and a sword now like I could have just had a different character or taken over an NPC or something that would have been interesting and I regret it almost right after I did I'm like you you dummy what were you thinking that would have been way better but it turned out well in the end I guess oh and also in the, the first I guess the first thing we did too my character definitely died in there so you didn't want to have all my characters die at the end oh in in the l5r game you mean yeah okay other thoughts on something that you had wanted to do or thought was going on in the background but nobody noticed I think it's tough when you're a player simply because you don't have the like uh, 
keys to the kingdom or you're not the czar of the universe. And so even if you have like particular arcs, like I think at the beginning, Sundry had an arc where he's like, oh, what if like he was, there are all these hitmen that work for the devil. <laughs> and then later it's like, well, what if I kill the devil? What if like that's the arc that he goes on? Uh, and like those were things that were like briefly brought up and then like quickly abandoned. Uh, I think for me, like the the arc that I settled on was like a redemption arc for Sundry and was this idea that he would go from sort of being in servitude to the devil, right? Like serving some kind of evil because he had tried to sort of like take the shortcut and take the easy way out and um, pursue the path of greed and instead sort of like follow a path of self-sacrifice, but ultimately beat the devil and um, end up as like the man in white, whereas he used to be like serving the man in black, you know, and sort of like correct that sort of karmic arc, I guess. And I think I, probably a self-fulfilling prophecy on my part, but felt like shoehorned into, um, you know, a more tragic arc with him. And I, like, I think it worked out well, but you know, I was sad to not see, I guess, the payoff of his redemption. Burks, any idea, any ideas that you had that were, um, I wish I freaking wish that I played this character as, um, Seth Galifianakis. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's mm -hmm. a character, he the fun, the Funyuns and the Fugees. Funny. Just <laughs> it's always about the Funyuns and the Fugees. Um, but he's Zach Galifianakis's twin brother who, um, Oh God. I mean, he's like, he's crazy and weird. And like, he also kind of lives in his parents' basement too. And, um, he has this brother who is doing great, you know, Seth and, uh, sorry, Zach rather, but, but Seth, even like he's telling these dark stories from his past that are not that bad, you know, they're like kind of normal stories that they've impacted him in a deep, dark way. Uh, and he, um, <laughs> he's like in the middle of an interview and asks if they can, can, can you put the, can, can you do the thing where you make me dark and then make my voice all, all wobbly, you know? And they're like, um, like you want us to make you anonymous? Like we're already doing the whole show about you. And he's like, he's like, he like insists on really bizarre things. And it's, it's hilarious to me that then we're like, okay, he's like sitting in the same chair, but then they make him black. And then his voice sounds like this. And he's like, it's like a true crime show, you know, where they're interviewing someone who's in deep cover. But anyways, what a goofy guy. And he like has, I, I feel like I shouldn't have played um, into dark blade being like nearly, you know, autistic basically with relationships that was not supposed to be funny. Austin, that was just a description. I mean, he like, um, I mean, he self-sabotages quite a bit and he, he's just kind of oblivious and, um, he's not of this world, but I, I wish that's all to say. I just, I just wish that he, you know, like kind of the way that he just nuked his relationship with his, with his love interest. I wish I rather took the route of just assuming, well, any woman who would have 
any person who would have a relationship with this guy, like they would also be kind of weird too. Like they would also have, um, or possibly some complementary characteristics. So I wish I kind of leaned into that a little more rather than just, uh, assuming, Oh yeah. Like if, you know, this is just a normal person in a relationship with dark blade. Cause he got a good role, you know, and like, let's watch him blow this up. Um, like, uh, the back of any, any woman who turns his back on him <laughs> in the heat, in the heat of battle. <laughs> well, they, well, that, that was one of the funny things about dark blade. I thought was, um, dark blade should be a guy who has a lot of problems with women. And yet we established that because of his fey uh, blood, because he's, he's not a regular person. He is this kind of um, supernatural creature or in part supernatural. Uh, one of the things that was funny was you were the one who came up with that Addy was breaking up with him. I know. Yeah. I, I, that's a road I wish I didn't take. Yeah. It was, it was just interesting where I was like, Oh, I was taken aback by it. It was like, what? Okay. I guess we'll do this. And then it was, uh, it was a fun scene to play. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I should say on the spectrum. All right. Just for, you're good. I like, I'm just trying to describe the way that he has like serious problems understanding social, uh, situations. So, um, but anyways, uh, yeah, he, I, that's the way I wish I went. I wish I made it a little lighter than an incel to like, that just would have been a better way to start off. And I wish that I, um, made him a little more, uh, uh, relatable, you know, mine will be really quick. I already said, like, I was pretty satisfied with my, where my character went. The only thing that comes to mind is there was one point when, he and Matlock first started getting a rapport together where Matlock said something to him that's kind of like prophetic where he was like, and maybe you can help me out here. Something about how like someone needs to get me out of this. Well, it can't be you. Uh, and only children are allowed in here. And like, we had tossed the idea between you and I where it's like, Oh, like maybe like Welker's kid, like his youngest kid who never really featured in the story like Kyle, like the five-year-old like gets pulled into this and like dies or gets taken into the fairy world and like never comes back. And like speaking to what I said earlier, it might've been kind of cool to like deepen the stakes like significantly with something like that. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. The stakes with the, with the Matlock stuff really ended up in the dark blade camp. And, uh, for Wel- great. Yeah. yeah. For Wel for Welker though, when he was like, Hey, here's this warning one of the dilemmas was we were building up the Welker. Um, hey, Welker's dead. So when it was like, what's what's the deal with blah, blah, blah? Well, also, here's this other thing. And like, Matlock didn't mention anything about it because we hadn't established it yet. Oh, uh, see, I didn't even know Welker was dead at that point. I saw it more as an opportunity. To we, hadn't, we hadn't figured it out. Yeah. I saw it more as like, uh, go down the road of uh, turn your back on family, ruin your family go full company that like that like dichotomy yeah the the matlock stuff was the matlock stuff came out of in part an actual thing that i experienced where i actually ran into a leprechaun and um wait no um there was a park near us like near our house 
and at some point I drove past it at night and I saw this park and I was like, this is crazy. I can't believe that this park exists here and it's this little thing and I kind of wiggled around through a lot of different neighborhoods. And um, then I got back to our house and I couldn't remember where that park was. And when my wife and I would like go walking around or would go driving around, we'd look for it and I could not find it. And the reason was it had just been wildly not maintained when I first saw it. It was like crazily overgrown. And then the uh, next time around when I saw it, it was very well maintained and it's been since. And it's very close to like, I can run there from my house, but I could not find it. And when we looked around for it, I couldn't, I couldn't accept that that was the park because in my head it was so different and I saw it at night and it was so overgrown and it was crazy looking. And then when I would see it again, I'd be like, that can't be it. And so like that idea of that dissonance of, I wanted to encapsulate that with Welker's experience. That's cool. Um, last thing is, uh, Questions we still have about the story or the world or the characters. So questions you as a player have about any any aspect of the story or the world or the characters. So if you want to be like, what's the deal with Ashton's uh, real dad? The answer is it's Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, so how is, so Heck was trying to come into the world, but he was also already in the world in the form of like the man in black. So what's the deal with that? My quick answer to that is he's a spirit of temptation when he's in the world. He can tempt people to do stuff. He has certain powers, but they're mild. Um, he wanted to be fully brought as his full form into the world. Like he wanted to, he wanted to get out of hell. He didn't want to have the ability to influence shit out of hell. He wanted to be fully brought out of it. Did you have any plans where it's like, well, if they just keep effing things up in the last episode, here's how they'll lose spectacularly. Or here's how like there'll be some like suboptimal outcome. Um, yes. I knew you guys wouldn't like it, but yes, um, not not plans for. And then this is how this. You knew most go. of us wouldn't like it. Yeah, but I I did have like a countdown of things of how many successes you got in that finale versus um, how many failures. And when it was a failure, it was a certain number of strikes. And when it was successes, it was a certain number of things, and then that kind of stuff where you guys could have lost. It was incredibly close. Like you guys only won by one. You guys only defeated the stuff by one or two things. What would losing it look like? That That's the shitty thing is... Um, I would have... Off the top of my head... And I hadn't thought about it. Off the top of my head, I would have said that you guys basically got 
Um, I would have, I would have, um, have you, you remember the, the stand? Yeah. The Stephen King, the stand. Um, it would have been like, okay, you guys get spit back out. Everything, Everything seems broke. like you're good. And then here's this bad shit that's happening in the world. And like, what do you guys do? And I would have epilogued it as like, what do you guys do as part of this terrible post-apocalyptic world? Because, after all, uh, oops, you fucked up. That makes sense. Oops, all berries. Were there any uh, Easter eggs or uh, roads that we didn't take that you had stuff prepared for uh, like throughout the campaign that um, you wish we had discovered or gone down? Oh, the number is crazy. Uh, yes. Um, Are there any in particular that stand out in your mind that's like cool ones? Hmm. No, <laughs> the short answer. Uh, no, there, there's there's a lot of stuff. I wish that, um, uh, like I had said, uh, I had a thing for if. I had some stuff for if different people Ashton talked to uh, at the college and that kind of stuff that could be more interesting. I had um, some aspects of the church that Sundry could have maybe gotten into, but honestly, we figured out how to explore those for the most part um, with Welker. I had some additional shit about Bishop and like his whole deal and who the fuck he was that we could have gotten into that I think would have been interesting. Um, but we never, we never nailed that stuff. And none of it, and none of it was so worked out um, that we, yeah, I, I will say, I think I, I worked out, I thought about Bishop the most because I felt Bishop was going to be like a real character who was fighting with you guys all the time. And um, I was a little, I was disappointed that we said in the end, that the first Bishop you killed was the real one. So then it was just like, Oh, who fucking gives a shit about this next one? So Understandable. that was, I think that was a mistake on my part. All right, I got a question. Why didn't DJ Squidgy make an official appearance? Um, he prefers to go by David Squidgy. <laughs> He's preferred that for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's my answer to that one. I put this character in every one of our NPC uh summary things and never made an appearance yeah yeah i think we mentioned i think we mentioned them one time as mm -hmm. a joke and yep. i was like yeah stealth there's gonna be a reckoning <laughs> the, the squidgy reckoning way yeah. off in the distance in hell you see him like dropping sick tracks to our final battle right um that that came up in the second mystery where we talked it was in the second mystery i think so um I think the second mystery, speaking of, was was uh, underrated. I here's why I don't rate it as the best one. I borrowed so heavily from the movies 
friend request and also skeleton key. Yeah, but who cares? Awesome. No, no yeah. one's ever going to see those movies. I no don't cares. agree with you. My mother said the movie Skeleton Key was the scariest movie she had ever seen, and that oh, yeah. was the old version. I guess but, I'll, um, I'll see Skeleton Key. No one's uh, going to watch Friend Request, though. Yeah, it's not a great it's not a great flick. Uh, but I felt bad about that, so I didn't I didn't say it. That story actually went pretty well. I kind of liked how it went. Oh, when I when I did my official ranking minutes ago. That was my second favorite. Oh yeah, mystery yeah. number two. You know, it's I I can't remember like all the details off the top of my head, but I do remember at the end of that mystery feeling like I enjoyed that. That was a fun like game. Oh yeah, I think that that was that was was really really good. It was also one of it was one of if not the shortest games, and I felt yeah. that that game actually fit best with the system. Because yeah. it was just like, here's this thing. You guys keep having this list of these college students who are getting killed or dying or blah, blah, blah. And um, you move towards it. It was, I thought that was, I agree with you. That game, that mystery was pretty good. Um, there were some extra things about, about that story that I don't know if they ever came through. Oh yeah. I I don't know if it ever came through or it was like um Alan Graves family had been these folks who were involved in some kind of like witchcraft to trade bodies with people. Hmm um skeleton key style and so what they would usually do was they would perform this ritual to trade bodies with somebody else um to just live forever was the idea where it was like oh i'm getting old okay i'm 50 60 whatever i'm gonna trade bodies with this 20 year old and then they'll do this ritual and switch bodies. And as, uh, and so that was why the, um, yeah. And so, but when everybody died in this fire, who was involved, Alan Graves, who was like the son of one of these witches, had this kind of latent ability but didn't know how to use it and instead used it to wreak vengeance rather than do this other stuff. I, I also regret not when I was describing characters in this game, describing them as played by this person. I think that was a mistake. I should have said they give you a so-and-so vibe. They give you the vibe of Tom Hanks. They're not played by Tom Hanks. I think that's a very minor distinction, but I it is a very minor distinction. I but I think that I think that there's some times in the game where folks got hung up on it a little bit. Of this is this person, and it's like, yeah. okay, well, if we just said like it's generally Donald Glover, it's right. generally Tom Hanks, it's generally John Goodman. It's like it's, it's all their stunt doubles. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a Kathy Bates type. Yeah. Oh, by by someone I 
that's definitely me. I, every time you said an actor, I was like, I sort of know who that is. Hold on. Let me go look them up real fast and add uh-huh. them to the NPC document. Yeah. Right, ne- right next to DJ Squidgy. I love that yeah. document. Yeah, you put a lot of work in that thing. Hold on. The document was good. I appreciate that you did that. And also wish I had just said they're like this person and maybe described them a little bit. But I relied a little bit too much on the actor aspect and did, uh, I think, kind of undercut stuff. Yeah, it was tough when the same actor played everybody in season four. <laughs> yeah, it was all just... Uh, yeah, it was all just... Fred Armisen and uh, Rachel Dratched? Uh, no, I meant uh, the Horned Beetle. Oh. Yeah, since, horned... since I wasn't there, I just put a dung beetle in every picture. Yeah. Oh, dungy. All right, guys. Well, any other big thoughts, big ideas that you want to be? I want to hear sharing? the rankings. I can't do rankings. It's too. It's too hard. Okay, well, well, how about uh, what was your, what were your favorite two mysteries? Well, I, mine were all my rankings. I figured out when someone was on break. I think was three, two, five, one, and I wasn't in four. So my two, I guess, uh, coincidentally, the longest and the shortest. You said that's true. Five is the last one. Yeah, yeah. Mine are probably four and five. What, what what do you guys like about those? Oh, I don't care for them. Oh, I don't care for I don't care. For them. <laughs> oh, I don't care for cake. No, uh, too sweet. Uh, what I liked about four was uh, the exorcism scene. I thought that that was really well done, um, and I liked how the Welker Sundry arc finished in five. I thought those were. Really big payoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I said before, I, I, I remember enjoying two a lot. I like this conciseness, but as far as like um, things that happened during those mysteries, I loved the character stuff. Like I loved the Walker Sundry payoff. I liked um, when the demon had us confessing things. I liked things that sort of transcended the mystery itself and like affected us for long term, like the Matlock stuff. Um, and the mysteries themselves were great too. Like the 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 beetle thing was very gross and very creepy, um, and like a very like urgent thing for us to fix. Alex is showing off those dope muscles. I like the vampire one. There you go. Really like uh, Twilight series and the whole. Uh, I like the romance. Um, old, you know, especially when it's some like old geezer, dusty old bitch of a vampire um who's just like macking on some like you know 19 year old honey because she's special i there was a there was a great joke i heard that somebody had Please which was cut that out uh, yeah there was a great joke about uh twilight that i heard which was how was there not more elements of like bella being like oh i want to do this and edward going oh, i've already done that it's not very good with everything (laughs) being like "Eh, yeah it's okay that sounds like a family guy scene yeah where he just where he's just like mansplaining to her like "Eh, i don't know about that oh that's okay yeah the original was better from like 1620 
Yeah. Like, okay. And it's like, uh, could we go to this roller coaster? I've been on roller coasters that are better than that. It's all right. Okay. <laughs> what if we go to this park? I already been there. Hey, you're going to want to go there. Blah, blah, blah. This isn't the right time of year. Like, all right. You can only do things with them that are cutting edge and new. Like, uh, let's do a VR game, I guess. Yeah. Actually he would just totally be like, what about video games? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Classic twist. men is, only want one lead thing. Up to the to the next incel. Yeah. yeah, he's just like I saw lit lawnmower man, and I never played a video game afterward. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he said his ideas about these things a long time ago. No, the vampire game was great. Um, I like vampires. That's kind of my thing. Well, uh, should we end it there? I mean, I guess so. I I'd say that like closing thought for me, I really enjoyed playing the game. I, I always do with the crew. Like it's a lot of fun. And Austin, I think you did an absolutely gargantuan amount of work on this and it shows and you should be proud of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. This was a this was a great job and you de- definitely uh, uh brought it all together like especially at the end but all the way through. Yeah, I'm amazed uh, we were able to stick the landing, just given how long we were going for. Uh, I think it turned out well. well. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, I I was impressed by the amount of work you put into editing all of the podcasts. And um, DJ, you contribute quite a lot, too, with all the organization. So both of you guys, uh, thank you. Cool. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's just the last line. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Should be the last line of every episode. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this American Monster is a production of This American Dice. This American Monster uses the Monster of the Week system. A game published by Evil Hat Productions and by Michael Sands. Sundry Charms is Lee. Chase Welker is Carl. Darkblade69 is Alex. Ashton Green is David. And your game master is Austin Smith. Our theme song is by Patrick Ross. It's called Sinlude. I don't know about you, Carl, but the main negative for me was just the 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 unnecessary amount of sex appeal of sundry charms. Like, now, here's the thing: was it unnecessary or was it vital? There's a certain amount that's that I think is acceptable, but when the players mm-hmm. are distracted, I I think that crosses the line. It does detract from our ability to sort of focus on other areas. Yeah, and I know DJ won't admit it, but the games he missed, I think, were just days where he couldn't handle another four hours of the undeniably sexy sundry charms. Well, you know, maybe he was the bravest one of us all to recognize he needed to step away. Yeah, the wedding was a very smart cover, though. Never would have guessed if Darkblade hadn't put it together. Yeah.